Hi, I'm Sarah Shea. And I'm Strangely Duesberg. Welcome to the Pilot House. A podcast where we watch all the shows we missed the first time around. And try to figure out where the heck they were going with this. So, Arrow. Which is not called Green Arrow, for reasons that I don't understand. Yeah, apparently he doesn't even call himself Green Arrow initially. So... Okay. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's his origin story. Right. But he is Green Arrow. That's who the character is. That's the character that people have heard of. Right. Seems weird, but All, sure. Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, the Hawkeye of the Justice League. All, already things I didn't know. It's, we, there's a, I don't, I really want to know where this thing came from because back in the sixties when all this stuff was getting invented or maybe the thirties or forties or fifties, I don't know, back in the day when all this stuff was being invented, you had these superhero teams where you had, you had literal gods like Superman or Captain America who are just like pinnacles of ability and strength and everything. I love that you said literal gods and named two characters that are not literal gods. But, but I mean, like, there, there are so much beyond... There are gods like, not Thor. Captain right. America. Oh, yeah. Thor. You have, like, Thor or Wonder Woman. There we go. Literal, Literal gods. gods. <laughs> and and then on all, on all of these teams, there's a guy with a bow and arrow who He's ends up being... really good at it. Yeah, just really good at bow and arrow. Like, I, this was always a thing. Like, when I was a kid, I was very into medieval uh, fiction, particularly Redwall. And there's always really good archers, and I tried to get really good with a bow and arrow. It's really hard. Yeah, it is questionably effective. So <laughs> for crime fighting, I've never watched any of the uh, the DC television shows. Nor have I. There's Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl now, and they're, apparently they're all connected. And a lot of the fan chatter on the net about these is that Marvel's been killing it with their cinematic universe, the movies. DC has been killing it with their shows. I don't I don't even know that much about the character. I know that he has a bow and arrow. That's about it actually. He's a uh, his I his... think I always mix him up with Green Lantern. Right. So he's Green Arrow, he's really good with the bow and arrow. His Are his... they both DC characters? Green they are Lantern both DC Green characters. Arrow? They hang Dude, out together. DC loves the color green. They do. <laughs> they sure do. Green is the color of courage in DC or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Um, Oliver, his, his, his real name is Oliver Queen and he is a billionaire. Oliver Queen, a barely knower queen. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> uh, Oliver Queen, he's a billionaire and apparently sure. some crappy stuff happens to him, which makes him decide to be a hero. I, I don't think his parents get shot in Crime Alley after the opera. Yeah. But knowing it's... how badly Gotham is policed, possibly. Well, does he live in Gotham too? I don't know where he lives. We'll find out. Yeah. All right, let's go check out Green Arrow. Let's do it. Hot takes. I I had so much fun with this. Kind of had like a little bit of a knowledge of Green Arrow. Um, I, I really liked some aspects of this show. Uh, I thought... It, I thought a lot of the like enlightened white dude bro who has spent some time like in a foreign land and comes <laughs> back with Chinese character tattoos, like right. aspect of it was like uh... the thing you may be worried about. It's you know it's a, a rich white boy who goes somewhere and has an experience and learns a thing that did not bother me as much in this as I expected to. Mm-hmm. Like it just yeah it just it 
the that the show and that characters played with uh despite that i guess so i know that you loved it because we recorded the what we know bit uh-huh. like two months ago yes and ever since then strangely has been like have you watched arrow yet can we record arrow yet i want it let's do arrow because he really let's wants to watch more of it or that is the impression i got yeah well and for me it's a, it's one of those shows where like it is very like network television cwe yeah but the things that a lot for me a lot of the things that didn't work in the pilot or that i thought were not good were still interesting choices like they mm-hmm. were still doing different things and trying to have some fun with it like sometimes you you see something and it's not very good and you're just like well it's just not good because yeah. it seems like nobody cared yeah. Like, it seems like, I mean, they were, they were really, they were going for it. Yeah. And some of it didn't work and some of it did. And yeah, like there were some fun moments along the way. Yeah. I, I think I enjoyed it more than I expected to. I mean, I never had any desire to watch this show. Nothing. I've never scrolled past it on Netflix and thought, oh, I should give that a show a try. I, I'm not a, that big a DC person. I'm not an old school comic book fan in general. Indie comics are more my jam. So I knew almost nothing about the Green Arrow characters. So I just, you know, and DC is not, doesn't have a great track record. <laughs> Although I've, as we established in the previous segment, DC has gotten some uh, uh, approbation for doing well with the TV shows. But I uh, still you know, never would have watched this show. Yeah. And now I found myself like, oh, it's kind of fun. Yes, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think we we both agreed that we had more fun than we expected. Let us then go to the recap discussing the pilot episode of Arrow. Mm-hmm. We open on a frantic scene of someone running through a jungle, cameras all over the place. It's like fan footage style. And uh, he's running through the, the forest and jumping and climbing trees, running, jumping, climbing trees, putting on eyeliner while he's up there. <laughs> that's what it is. Sorry if anyone listening is not an Eddie Azard fan. That's on you. Um, so, yeah, he's running around. He's got some arrows. He's, he's, he, we go, oh, yes, arrows, because arrow. Yes. It's very exciting. Shoots an arrow from the top of a big rock. It lands. It, oh, he, like, scratches the, he lights the arrow somehow, and it's just it's like a flint and steel yeah thing. Yeah. And, he, and then he shoots the arrow, and I'm thinking, there's no way that that tiny flame is gonna stay inflamed while it flies through the air. Surely it's going to blow out, but it does not. And uh, it lands in like a bonfire thing that he's pre-prepared. Although not just a bonfire, it like explodes. He's somehow got some sort of explosive. Yeah. In there, which. They did not ever explain later. They probably never will. Uh, but it, like, explodes. And then we see a fishing boat. Two East Asian men getting fish. And yep. then they hear the explosion. They look. They see this bonfire on a beach. They go to the island. And then we start getting some super wanky voiceover. I know, wrote in my notes, this voiceover probably wasn't necessary. And then realized... You could say that about almost every voiceover in anything ever. It is kind of a phenomenon of voiceover that it, I feel like voiceover is a thing that's added later because some studio executive or producer or something is yeah. like, 
I just don't. I don't understand what's happening. Why does it's this guy clear. want to get off the island he's been marooned on for five years? We need more. We need more. I just, yeah, yeah. I, it, may, it does make me wonder, does anyone ever intend for there to be a voiceover? Unless they're doing a, a parody. Yeah. They're doing like a noir parody or something. Yeah. But like otherwise, I know Ryan Johnson has said that the voiceover in Looper was his choice. It wasn't like a studio uh-huh. note. But it's, yeah, it still feels a little studio notey but anyway he does a little super dramatic voiceover yeah i've been marooned on this island for five years and i've dreamt of my rescue every cold black night since it's very very dramatic so on the nose that he's he says uh the 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 name of the island in chinese is leon yu which is mandarin for purgatory oh god he even says i will return to my city not the boy who was shipwrecked but the man who will save my city from destruction or whatever. Like, oh, it's so over the top. And yet, it's kind of fine that it's so over the top because we know we're watching a superhero origin story. I mean, like I said, like, everybody's, like, really going for it. Like, they understand the kind of thing they're making. Yeah. And you see that in a lot of the performances, too, from, from a lot of the supporting roles. They're like... I am a very arch-broad stereotype character. Mm-hmm. I have to really swing for the fences on this one. This And as a sort of a, a, a Green Arrow origin, because um, I mentioned in our What We Know that I, I really like these kind of bow ninja type characters. Mm-hmm. Like having him be marooned on a desolate island where he doesn't have access to technology and everything, and this is like a crucial survival tool, Mm -hmm. it makes a lot more sense that he has spent five years getting really, really good with a bow and arrow than just having him be like, yeah, I I don't like guns. Yeah. Like, he's there's there's some reason. Um, Also, like, shooting a a fire arrow to light a signal beacon is like classic green arrow type thing. Like... Good. Like doing doing a task with an arrow that you could just as easily have done by running to the bonfire. He gets rescued, and then we go to the arrow logo, right? Yeah. I think, the and it's like screen. arrow. Did we just get his entire origin story in the first two minutes? Like, <laughs> if this was a movie, that would have been the whole movie. But no, yeah, there's more. Act one opens with a news report that Oliver Queen has been found alive. His father has now been confirmed dead. Classic newsbreak exposition. Like, it's not even somebody watching a TV. It's just the TV report is on our screen. This is what we're getting. I, I love it. It's yeah. so perfect. And so, like, now the deaths of his father and all the other people who are on the yacht, the Queen's Gambit. Mm-hmm. So good. On the nose. Like, stupid yacht pun names. Yeah. We also establish him as Oliver was previously a playboy, you know, who... Oh, yeah, got into fights with the paparazzi. paparazzi. And in this this flashback, not flashback, this older footage, they show some footage of him getting up in the face of a paparazzi. He looks like if Josh Sargent from Cracked was like a male model. Yeah, that that hair does that. Exactly. Like, it's the face, too. The rest of the episode, he didn't remind me of him at all. But just in that scene, they they made him, like, extra clean cut and, like, extra pretty boy to make it look like it was five years ago. So then uh, we see Oliver in a doctor's office, and he's just had, like, a checkup, and he's, like, pulling his shirt on, and he's got, like, some scars and whatnot. And uh, the doctor is doing the classic doctor rundown of info, the classic doctor info dump. Yeah. To Oliver's mother, Moira, and the doctor saying, 
He's got 20% of his body is covered in scar tissue. He's got 12 fractures that never healed correctly. He's been through a lot. Yeah. And his mother says something like... Has he said anything about what happened? And the doctor says, no, he's hardly said anything. He may not be the one who left. He may be a different person. The Oliver they found may not be the one you lost. That's it, yeah. Very dramatic. Oh my goodness. And right here in my notes, I wrote, this kid looks so much like Garrett Dillahunt. You're right. He does kind of look like Garrett. He's like that Garrett I didn't Dillahunt, make the connection. Like, forehead, but... chin, like only a when younger... he has like the kind of stubbly, not when he has a beard, yeah, or when he's like the short blonde hair. But like, there's a couple of shots of him in the show where I was like, yeah. wow, like I would buy them as brothers in a movie. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you're listening, Hollywood, Hollywood does. I mean, we haven't seen the per- the following five, six seasons of yeah, the show. Yeah, maybe Garrett Dillahunt. Shows maybe Garrett up Dillahunt as... shows up as the long lost brother. That would be that no one knew about. Oh, man. That's season seven. That's your season seven villain right there. Long lost brother, Garrett Dillahunt. Oh, perfect. <laughs> There'll be an awkward scene where he drinks a glass of water for too long. Oh. Two looper references in one episode of the podcast. What? <laughs> Calm down, Sarah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just have to address. She goes into the hospital room mm-hmm. where Oliver is standing, and they have the most awkward reunion. She she sees him, and she's like, Oliver? And he's like, Mom. super flat voice and she's like my beautiful boy and then they have this super awkward hug and she like kind of kisses him and it's like is this supposed to be as awkward as it is or is this not great acting hard to say certain things happened later that made me wonder if it was intentional but it may have just been bad acting it was a bit off so moira takes oliver home and they arrive outside of the Queen Mansion, which... You mean the X-Mansion. Oh, I mean Luther Manor from Smallville. <laughs> the gorgeous house in Vancouver that people use for everything. For everything. I I lost it when I saw that. It was so, so it's great. It's a gorgeous house. Yeah. Like, you can't blame them. Oliver interrupts the driver or whoever is about to take his suitcase in and says that he'll carry it in himself. And it's mm-hmm. just this long wooden crate with a big fancy lock on it mm. and some uh, Chinese characters like wood burn- lovingly wood burned into you the know, surface. I didn't actually notice that because that, that trunk comes up later but I didn't actually notice that it was that trunk in the first scene. Yeah. Instead of reading it as oh I'll get it because it's my special secret trunk I was reading it as it's cool I've got it he's changed he'll carry his own luggage where he used to be like a pampered playboy. That's how I read that line. It could have been a little of both. Yes. Because the very next thing that happens is... They're in the sort of the foyer of the house, and uh, Oliver is greeted by Walter Steele, who was a partner, somebody pretty high up at his father's company. His mom says, you remember, your father's friend from the company? That's a weird way to describe what seems to be actually his business partner. Pilot talk. Yeah. His friend from the company? But it's just weird, like... This is your father's particular friend. You remember your father's special friend, Walter. No, it's like, yeah, it's it's just a weird wording. It's not even just pilot talk. Pilot talk would have been, don't you remember your father's business partner from Queens Consolidated? Instead, yeah. she says, friend from the company. It sounds like a euphemism. It's some sort of, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, he's a friend from the company. Well, the company of actors who's favorable <laughs> around the land. My notes for this moment were, a British man, he must be evil. Oh, his last name is Steele? Definitely evil. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry. A British man's last name is Steele in a comic book. He's clearly evil. So sort of similar to his uh, reunite, reuniting with his mother, Oliver is not that interested in Walter and kind of gives him the cold shoulder, but then is very, very friendly to the maid 
Reza. Well, I think I think she's a, like a general housekeeper. It's sort of implied later that they had a sort of a friendly, mm-hmm. that she's been around for a lot of his life. I, I immediately read like, uh, this is the surrogate mother figure while the his actual mother was like, the society yeah. woman. Type. I got that from that the character later. In this yeah. moment, I just read it as, oh, this is more of an indication that he's changed. Yeah. He's not interested to see his dad's old business partner, but he is warmly remembering their housekeeper. Yes. Now he cares about the little people or yes. whatever. And similar to his warmth toward the housekeeper, he looks up the stairs and sees his younger sister. He's very excited to see her. Yeah. And they hug. That and... is actually a really nice yeah. moment. Yeah. Like it was, it was a little weird because she sees him and looks surprised, like she didn't know, yeah. or like she didn't believe it until she actually saw him or something. And she goes, "I knew it. I always knew you were alive." And she hugs him, and he goes, "You were with me the whole time," which is kind of creepy, but sort yeah. of sweet also. One of the th- the things in this show that I thought did feel pretty genuine was the brother sister like dynamic of just like a nice sibling relationship where he's like a little protective, but like also kind of sees that he's been gone for a while. It's definitely nice, especially initially in in this scene. We cut to a legal aid office. Yes. And we finally get some really good pilot-style expo log. This is where Laurel works. Laurel's friend says, well, if we can't help other people, we can't call ourselves legal aid. We're lawyers, not miracle workers. Yeah. And if we if we can't help a bunch of people who've had their life savings swindled by this rich businessman. Adam Hunt. Adam Hunt. Then we can't call ourselves a legal aid office. Well, if we go broke trying to fight him in court, we won't be a legal aid office. It's good, classic. I mean, not actually good, bad. But it's classic. Classic pilot talk. Yeah, it's. It's unfortunately not the 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 hand, most handily done that I've ever seen, yeah. but it's getting some real uh, points across. My least favorite line in this scene is when her friend says he has an army of lawyers waiting to take us down, uh-huh. and Laurel kind of cocks her head sassily and goes, "You and me against an army? I love those odds." That's a weird delivery. She's Her friend is acting like, no, we're really in serious trouble. And she's like, are we or are we plucky and resourceful? And her friend's like, no, we're, this is serious. And she's like, I love those odds. That's not even the figure of speech. I like those odds as a figure of speech. Laurel, what's wrong with you? Are you oh. a robot? What's happening? The one other piece of information that we learn in this scene is that Laurel's sister, Sarah, was also on the Queen's Gambit. Yes, we get another news break exposition, but in the form this time of people watching the news. Everyone else in the legal aid office is crowded around the TV watching a report about Oliver being found alive, and she overhears it, walks into the room, sees it just as it says, the shipwreck that took the lives of his father, and also a young person i don't remember how they describe her sarah lance and she grabs the controller and turns it off and we don't know yet why she's quite so traumatized by seeing the news report yeah we'll find more later so we cut back to oliver at home he's uh he's in his room which his mom mentioned to him earlier that she hasn't changed a thing she never had the heart to change anything and he's sort of monologuing again with a voiceover about how much he's changed and how different he is. He has his shirt off and he is like Marvel yeah. ripped. I'm really glad that you made notes about his monologue because the my entire notes for this scene were topless hunk time. That's all I wrote. 
I, I, I had I to go make... back and watch it again to make notes. But... We do see, I remember now, we do see now, I, I don't think we actually saw all the scars in the hospital. I think he had a shirt on already in the hospital. I think there was like a, a flash of a shoulder or yeah, something. Yeah, but now we hospital. see but he's yeah. standing. He does a lot of standing in front of the window in his bedroom in the mansion, which is like this beautiful, dramatic, lead-paned window with like wind and rain lashing. There's a lot of rainstorms in this universe. We do see he's got some serious scars and like... Uh, burns and things and yeah, a lot and of a couple like, of tattoos as well. But I'm pretty sure those are pre shipwreck yeah, tattoos. Props to the makeup department for really selling this. Uh, there's a lot of evidence of cauterizing wounds to heal them yourself. Like, oh, okay. So there's a lot of like that. really traumatic, like last ditch kind of self saving yeah. things that are going on. They definitely did not look like well healed wounds. No, he has a lot of really like Gnarly. field field dressing. Type yeah. stuff going on, and, and then we because of the thunder and lightning, and everything Oliver has a flashback to mm-hmm. being aboard the Queen's Gambit in a storm, and he's been canoodling with Sarah, and Sarah pops out of the stateroom to right. ask Oliver where the bottle opener is. Or Weird something. line. Where do you keep the bottle opener on this thing? <laughs> this thing? You mean the boat? Yeah. Like why wouldn't you say where do you keep the bottle opener? Okay. I don't know. Let's ask the captain. Weird dialect. You'd think they would have more than one on a giant yeah, giant yacht. luxury. Exactly. Well, like the dad and the captain are already talking about how the, the ship is storm, in trouble. Yeah, the storm is getting too bad. They need to turn back. And then Oliver pops out and goes, "What's up, Dad?" And the dad looked so familiar to me. I was it was driving me bonkers. But I waited till the end of the episode to look him up. And the dad, uh, the actor who plays he, the Queen actor senior. Mr. Mr. Queen, please. Mr. Mr. Queen, Queen is my father. Yeah. He, the actor's name is Jamie Sheridan, mm-hmm. and he's been in a lot, but I was definitely recognizing him from the ice storm. I just wanted to share with you, though, I looked up his IMDb because I was trying to figure out right, right. who he was, and the first line of his IMDb bio uh-huh. is amazing. Brace yourself. I'm, I'm holding on to the chair. Are you ready? Are you hands. sitting down? I'm sitting down. Virile, fair-haired, Set-jawed actor Jamie Sheridan, comma, and then it goes on to, like, <laughs> was born in wherever. But, like, virile, fair-haired, set-jawed actor. Dude, who wrote this? Your Obviously, wife? he did. <laughs> like. There are some people's IMDb pages where it's like, you wrote this, didn't you? Yeah, well, like, a lot of them sound like they're written by them. Yeah, you wrote this yourself. There's that one. Oh, I wish I could remember. There's some actor that Paul Tompkins references a lot on podcasts because he he refers to himself in his own bio as being like underappreciated, yeah. and like, <laughs> like <laughs> a true like genius of his generation or some bullshit. But like yeah. this one is like, I hope Jamie Sheridan didn't describe himself as virile as the very first word of his bio. But also like, was that written by a fan? Like, is this a thirst bio? <laughs> I, I just had to establish that. Um, and then, thank you. Yeah, and then Sarah stumbles out in her underpants. Why do you keep the wine opener on this thing? It's like, are, are you, clearly you've already opened a few bottles. Yeah. You just stumbled you... out into the hall. And then she sees the dad and goes like, oops, and like pulls her robe closed. And then the dad lo- looks at the girl, or Oliver kind of gestures her back into the room and mm-hmm. then looks I'll back at his dad. I'll be there in a minute or whatever. Yeah. And, and his dad says, that is not going to end well. For either of them or for you. Triangle. Some sort of two-time and shenanigans going on for young Oliver Queen. So we cut back to Oliver at home. Uh, his bestie from back in the day, Tommy Merlin. 
I did such a comic book name. I did not get that his last name is supposed to be Merlin. Yes. He's just called Tommy. And uh-huh. then at some point later, someone calls him Merlin. And I was trying to figure out what kind of a joke they were trying to make about him being magical or something. Yeah. It's like, they were like, come on, Merlin. It sounded like the like, like, come on, Einstein. I was like, what did he do that was magical just now? I don't understand. Yeah. And then I looked it up later and was like, oh, yep, Tommy Merlin's pretty choice comic book name. <laughs> he walks in. Yeah. And I, you have to wonder how many times did he practice this line? says, hey, what did I tell you? Yachts suck. He probably was like, so like oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. I'm going to say, him, what's the first thing I'm going to say to my best friend that I thought was dead? I'm going to say yachts suck because it's like an inside joke. It also felt like a really weak attempt at that trope, which I'm sure has a very clever name on tvtropes.net or whatever, but the thing where you pretend someone's mad. Landoing. Yeah, landoing. Exactly. I hope it's something like that. Go with like, hey, what did I tell you? Give and them the old Calrissian. <laughs> you suck. And then they hug and it's whatever. And then they're all having dinner downstairs. Mm-hmm. Tommy is catching Oliver up on the most important things in life. Who's won the last five Super Bowls. And then goes, oh yeah, black president. That's new. Moves right along to yeah. catching up on the lost. It's like, yep. oh, thanks. Our, our, our historic first black president only warranted a, a quippy line. Yeah. Also, he spoils uh, lost for him. That seems yeah. rude. Yeah. Probably not going to watch Lost, right? It also seemed a little uh, on the nose to reference Lost, which also has to do with people abandoned on an island. It really just seemed like a really fascinating thing to me that that's the order that Tommy thinks things are important. I did note in my notes, WTF, Tommy, stop talking. You're making everyone uncomfortable. Because it did seem to be uh, this scene was supposed to establish that Tommy is a kind of a garbage brain. Like, yeah. he's just like... All right. Oh, you, you. We thought you were dead. You were abandoned on some horrible island for five years. God knows what you've been through. I'll just uh, keep up a inconsequential patter about Super yeah. Bowl winners and TV shows. Tommy, I think, is much more in line with the kind of person that Oliver was before. Right. I think it's supposed to be showing thing. us more of what Oliver used to be like by showing us what Tommy is like. Although I gotta say, I did write Jesus Christ Tommy a lot in my notes. Oliver's sister asks. Oliver what the island was like and everybody like tenses up yeah and then Oliver just goes cold bitch you don't just ask that <laughs> tense moment but then uh this is nothing compared to the tense moment that yeah. we're about to so have t- Tommy like after the sort of brief moment of tension Tommy keeps prattling on about how he wants to take Oliver out on the town take him to all the the old hot spots and everything. Yeah. But Oliver seems more interested in catching up with the company, swinging by his dad's old office. And when he mentions that, Steele tenses up and goes, oh, there's no rush. Because we can't code him as being a villain anymore than we already have. The maid brings something to Oliver and he thanks her in Russian. Oh, yeah. She almost drops it. He catches it. Yeah. Fast reflexes. He just says, like, don't worry about it. Everyone is shocked by the fact that he can speak Russian now. Tommy says, I didn't know you spoke Russian. And his mom says something, too, I think, like, yeah, like me either. And then Steele specifically says, I didn't, I didn't know you studied Russian at college. And then Oliver says, I didn't know you wanted to sleep with my mother, Walter. Bam! <laughs> he was saving that one up. Because you. they showed some shots of him observing them. Standing were, close together, et Just, like, touching yeah. each other without thinking about it. Obviously, they were trying to keep it a secret from him until they thought he was ready to hear it. And then Moira says, well, actually, Oliver, Walter and I are married. Yeah. She then takes his hand, says, Walter and I are married, but I don't want you to think that we did anything to disrespect your father, which is a weird way to word it. Yeah. 
instead of your you know walter and i are married it's been five years and yeah he says we thought that he like you was dead um but yeah i don't want you to think we did anything to disrespect your father it sounds like what that's coded language for we were not boinking pre yeah (laughs) pre losing you like we were not having an affair prior to that it sounds like that's what she was trying to say Oliver is pretty diplomatic about it, though, and asks to be excused. Tommy's still like, so we'll hang out later? And then Oliver leaves and it's just awkward. Like, yeah. Get some, getting some Hamlet vibes. Yeah. Definitely. Although n- nothing else about the show, the Hamlet vibes, really. Just that, that moment. scene really seemed like Well, especially was... in, a, in a fancy house yeah. in the, having dinner. And I got to say, especially during this scene, I was like, I love the little sister character. But I felt like the actress was playing it like she was 14 or something. Kind of makes sense that when her brother comes back from the dead, she would sort of maybe revert a little bit to the way that she used to act with him when she was younger. Which means she was 12 and now she's 17. Like, that's a lot of growing up that she did without him around. And that that sort of some of their dramas later in the episode make more sense like when you really think about that yeah yeah i'm just realizing it now that like wow yeah that is okay significant. so a storm has been raging outside the mansion yeah which launches into another flashback for oliver to yeah. the yacht he's he's lying on the floor of the room which they show the bed is empty and he's yeah. like lying on the floor in front of like the open window and the rains like on him it's very yes. dramatic yeah. But they flash back then to the boat making the sexy times in quotes sexy <laughs> times uh with Laurel's sister, Sarah. And she's talking about how it really sounds like the storm is getting closer. And he's like, that's not very scientific. And she says about... something like, Laurel's going to be so mad. She said, like, Laurel's going to kill me. Yeah. She's so going to kill me. But she's saying it in this very sort of like, oh, she's so going to kill me. Like, the sort of thing, I don't know. The, the tone you would use if you're like, oh my gosh, if my sister found out I borrowed her car without asking, she's going to kill me. It's like, you're not just about to sleep with her boyfriend or currently sleeping with. I mean, we yeah. don't know how long this trip has been going on. Like, you're not just sleeping with your, your sister's boyfriend here because he says she'll never know. It's not like she'll deal with it. Like I, He's not acting yeah. like he was ditching the sister for the other sister. Yeah. He's acting like we're having a one little canoodle on and the yacht for in, yacht in time. international waters. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't count if it's in international waters. Right. It's like, how are you going to... It's one thing if you end up hooking up with your girlfriend's sister and you're like, well, she never has to know. But it's yeah. like, you took your girlfriend's sister on a trip to another country and then went out on a yacht, which that's got to be a multi-day trip. How is, how is Laurel not finding out about this? This yeah. just seems like a lot to hide from her. While they're talking about all of this... Sarah keeps asking if the storm is getting worse, and Oliver keeps saying, nah, it's, it's fine, fine, it's we'll fine, be fine, it's fine. And all of a sudden, the yacht, like, flips upside down. Yeah. No, this actually, I thought this scene was great. Yeah. It was, I actually thought it was amazing, because they do feel very safe, because it's this luxury yacht. Yeah. Even though there's a storm raging outside, they're they're in this beautiful bedroom. It feels like they're in a hotel. Like, yeah. It feels very safe. And he keeps telling her, it's fine, it's fine. And then all of a sudden... The boat starts to tip. The glasses, the wine glasses tip over. They're both thrown across the room. Yeah. When the boat flips like, over. Like very dramatically. Yeah. And then the boat like breaks in half or something. 
and she gets like dragged out dragged out into the water like being blown out into space or something it's just like yeah. whoosh, it was a really cool gone. i don't know how realistic it was i guess in terms of like what a boat would do in that situation but the way they shot this scene was actually very yeah. well done it's the best thing in the whole episode yeah. they make everything look a little woozy like he sees her across the room and she's got some blood on her forehead and he's like sarah and then all of a sudden like the side of the boat gets like ripped off or something she gets torn out it looks like yeah she's yeah. like like she's getting sucked out of an airlock and then he's like sarah and then all of a sudden it like does this really cool like sp- kind of spinning camera yeah. thing and he then all of a sudden like he's swirled in the into the water yeah it's it's not clear how he gets into the water but that's what it would be like if he were in that yeah it's you wouldn't just, it all, know it's exactly all very confused and yeah. all like all of a sudden he's in the water and then he breaks the surface and his dad and the captain are in an inflatable lifeboat and they pull him in yeah and he's like, Sarah, and they're saying, like, she's no. lost, yeah. she's gone, and they see the boat sinking into the water. Yeah, the Queen's Gambit goes down. Yeah. Uh, Oliver wakes up from his nightmare and kung fu's his mom, who is trying to wake him up. I've had to learn to survive. Yeah. I have reflexes I attack now. anyone who touches me to wake me up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then his his mom is kind of comforting him, saying, "You're home, sweetheart. It's you're okay. home." And he's like, he kind of pulls back from her. It's actually yeah, kind of he good. Kind of recoils. He because he's like got his arm, his hand against yeah. her neck. She is wounded somewhat by this. Yeah. Not not emotionally, like physically. Yeah. And then he scrambles back from her and is like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Yeah. And she's like, "It's okay. You're home. It's fine." It's and actually- also, Walter is there, still wearing his suit, who is like. You're home. Like, he's... He's, like, comforting mom. Anyway, I think that whole thing, the flashback, the them getting into the water and then coming back to the, to the present day, I thought that was, like, the best shot part of the whole episode. Yeah. Nailed it. The next day, Act 2 starts with... Oliver getting the mysterious locked trunk out from under his bed, opening it up and taking out a mysterious notebook. Then we go to the sister's room. Oh, what was the sister's name? I don't think I actually wrote it down. So we, we learn her nickname here. Yeah. He calls her Speedy and she goes, <laughs> oh, nobody's called me that since I was 12 or whatever. And, but did, what is her actual name? I don't think they say her name the whole dang episode. They don't say her name the whole episode. I remember seeing it when I was looking stuff up online, trying really yes. hard not to run into spoilers, which I did, fortunately. Oh. It Thea. always happens. It's Thea. Her name Thea. is Thea. Yeah, I don't think they say it the whole episode. But, no, but go, Thea. we go to the sister's room, and before Oliver enters, we see she's with a friend, and they're dressed in their schoolgirl uniforms. Her friend uh, is crushing up some prescription pills, and she's like, where'd you get this? And her friend says... Oh, from, you know, somebody's dad. Thanks, dad, daddy's torn ACL or whatever. Like, they're painkillers, basically, and they're yeah. crushing them up for some reason. They're going to do Is lines. It better to snort a painkiller than just to swallow it? Is it better? Sarah does not know anything about illicit substances. I have taken prescription painkillers before, and they work just fine swallowing them. So I don't know why they think they need to crush them, but maybe it just looked. Although, here's the thing. He acts shocked later on. When he finds out about that there's maybe he's been a little drug use on behalf of his little baby sister. But in this scene, he walks in and calls her Speedy. And she's like, oh, nobody's ever called me that in years. And he goes, chasing you around all the time when we were kids. I thought it was pretty fitting. And then he says, maybe it still is. And I thought that meant he saw the drugs. Speedy. He kind of got the vibe that they were doing something like that and were hiding it real quick. But it wasn't confirmed for him yet. 
uh, and maybe put it aside. It was just weird because later yeah. they establish again yeah. that she's doing drugs, and he seems way more shocked by it in the later scene. Yeah. Not like, oh, this I is, was afraid of this. This is why you have a script supervisor on set, folks. <laughs> Uh, like, no, 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 remember, don't act too shocked in this scene. You already knew she was doing drugs. Remember you said the thing about Speedy? Anyway, we move on to him giving her this carved stone. The a friend leaves in. and says, I'll see you at school. Yep. He pulls out this carved rock. A hosen. And she goes, you did not get marooned on a deserted island for five years and bring me a present, which is actually a pretty cute line. Aww. And he gives her this rock and says... It symbolizes reconnecting, and I've been yeah. holding on to it all this time in hopes that I would reconnect with you, which is very sweet, and yeah. I like that moment with them. It feels very earned, like like a real thing. And yeah. it's it's one of the things, like when I said like there were certain things I really liked about it, like this relationship just feels very genuine and feels like it would be reasonably the kind of thing that when you do have everything stripped away, you're not trying to think about going back to party or going back to some yeah. girlfriend or something. It's like you just want to see your family, your little sister. Yeah. You know, you, you, you just want to get back to that. And, of course, Tommy ruins the beautiful moment by walking in and being a garbage human. Oh, I want a T-shirt. This is my friend was marooned on an island for years, and all I got was this crappy shirt. And we are Jesus Christ Tommy count, is it, too, in my notes. <laughs> and, and we're then about he... to get to Jesus Christ Tommy count three. He ends the scene... By creeping on the little sister. He says, as they leave the room, he's like, have you noticed how hot your sister's gotten? Because I definitely haven't. <laughs> and Oliver just looks at him like, Jesus Christ, Tommy. Like, obviously I would not notice that. She's my sister. And why would you fucking say that to me sim simultaneously? Anyway, so Tommy <laughs> is not the sharpest knife in the tool oh shed. Oh my lord, Tommy is bad. Uh, so then... We cut to Tommy and Oliver driving around in Tommy's shiny silver sports car. Uh, they're driving through a kind of a bad neighborhood. There's homeless camps. Tommy is garbage and says, this city is going to crap because he's a rich asshole. And he says something about your father sold his factory just in time. And we get a shot of this old, what looks like a very old abandoned factory that says Queens Inc. Factory Co. whatever on the side of the building. Uh, and he says something about, I don't know why you wanted to drive through this neighborhood anyway. Establishing that Oliver requested driving past this factory, which will come into play later. But then Tommy goes on to say, you know, what did you miss the most? Steaks at this fancy restaurant? Drinks at this bar? Meaningless sex? Are you offering, Tommy? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and uh, he almost, it's like he almost died. He was abandoned on an island. Yeah, he might kind of be into looking for some uh, human connection or whatever. But like, like, damn, soft pedal it a little. And the only thing Oliver wants to do is he wants to see Laurel. Yeah, he answers the question, what do you miss most? He said, Laurel. And Tommy says, great, everybody's happy to see you. And you want to talk about the one person who isn't. So then we go to Laurel and Plucky Lawyer Friend, since we did not actually get her name. I called her Plucky Lawyer Friend the whole time. PLF. Uh, they're talking about the rich dirt bag, Adam Hunt. He managed to get the case in front of a judge he has in his back pocket. Plucky Lawyer Friend is once again being reasonable about, this is, this is not good. This really hurts our chances. And Laurel is being unreasonably like, no, it's going to be fine. We can do it. We have to keep fighting. She is even pluckier than Plucky Lawyer Friend. And then Oliver walks in. I made a note that... Laurel was wearing an obscene amount of mascara. <laughs> like, Oliver shows up and we get a close-up shot on Laurel's face. And we're supposed to be paying attention to her reaction to seeing Oliver in the flesh. 
who she thought was dead. And all I could focus on was like the cl- weird clumpy mascara she had going on. It's weird. They go for a walk and he says, so you went to law school, huh? Trying to catch up on what's happened in her life. So we know she was not a lawyer when he left, which makes sense. We don't actually get in the episode whether she's also rich. We just know that she's working to help poor people or she's in a legal aid office and everything. But they did date. So it's unclear how they, they they don't get into how he and Laurel originally met, what she was like back then. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing because like we get Sarah very clearly established as like this like airhead, like party girl thing. Who's not that concerned about sleeping with her sister's boyfriend but we're not really it's not really explained like what laurel was like before all of this yeah it would be interesting to have seen was she also a party girl and they were all like that because when he said oh so when he when she says that she went to law school like oliver seems like impressed like good for you like cool like this wasn't something she was already on track to do when he left i want kind of more information on what laurel was like before he left which they may get into but it's so disappointing we didn't really get anything about it and he's yeah and i mean here he's kind of doing the like sort of almost alcohol anonymous like trying to make amends kind yeah. of thing saying like it was all my fault and i yeah please don't be mad at sarah he, he and it was actually not bad the dialogue yeah and she has a good bit of dialogue um where i actually said in the notes she actually has some reasonable dialogue here because <laughs> prior to that laurel's all of her lines have been nonsense yeah but then she says this great thing about like trying to drive home for him how traumatic it was for her because she said she says i couldn't be mad at her because she was dead but i couldn't grieve because i was so mad that's what happens when your sister dies while screwing your boyfriend and it's like that is a really good point how like you know she's like we buried an empty coffin i you know she goes through this whole thing and it's like that was that's a really good point yeah how do you grieve when you're so mad but how can you be mad when you're grieving and also how can you properly grieve when you don't know for sure that the person is dead there's no closure yeah i mean even though it's like pretty obvious they're dead after five years you assume but yeah it's and plus just to find out that your sister was canoodling with your boyfriend your boyfriend was cheating on you with your sister to find that out by finding out they're both probably dead is like yeah. pretty, that is upsetting. It's a very upsetting thing. And she handles this scene pretty well. Although then she gets very harsh. She's at the bottom of the ocean where you left her. And it's yeah. like, it's not like he had a choice. <laughs> like, I'll just put this here. Yeah. It's like, she's, she's, she, yeah. that was, that did seem a little harsh considering yeah. Uh, you, it is your fault, the forces of nature. It's, it's, she could, it would be reasonable for her to blame him for Sarah's death because Sarah would not have been in that position without him, sure. Yeah. He almost, everyone almost died. Like, it, it, it's, it, she's mad, yes, but that seemed like a weird line. But yeah, she also the, says, it should have been you. And what's weird is that he does not say in this moment, I agree, I would trade places with her if I could. It should have been me. He says nothing to that effect. He does later. But yeah. it seems like that would have been the obvious thing to say in that moment. At one point, in this exchange too, I actually wrote this line down because I, I hoped you'd rot in hell a whole lot longer than five years. So cold. Ice cold. Laurel walks away from Oliver. She passes by Tommy and says... How did you think that was going to go? And maybe oh, this yeah. is the scene where she calls him Merlin. I can't remember. But he goes, about like that. Yeah. They And the, yeah, that it was an odd exchange. Yeah. 
it, it it's becomes more interesting when we learn some more yeah. things later, but we'll get so to that. Tommy gets over to Oliver and, and says, you know, okay, let's uh, go party well, with some ladies. Yeah, and now eat that some you sushi. Yeah, now that we've dealt with that weird thing you insisted on doing, let's go eat sushi off naked women or something. It's weird. And then a bunch of scary dudes in hoods and weird skull masks shoot them both with like tranquilizer darts or something. Tommy gets tranked first and passes yeah. out. Oliver gets shot with a with the dart. And before he passes out, he sees them shoot this random, like, cook from a restaurant who's taken out the trash. And it seems to exist only to assure Oliver that it's okay for him to kill these guys later. Yes. (laughs) Because, look, they killed an innocent bystander. They're really, really bad. He then flashes back to the lifeboat while he's passed out. And his dad is saying, like, if only one of us makes it out of here alive, it's going to be him. He says this to the captain. And it's like... It's fine for you to make that call for yourself. He's your son. But the captain, your employee, didn't ask for this. He does not have to save your son. And the captain is kind of like, says you. (laughs) Then dad is like kind of cuddling Oliver. And they're both sort of out of it. Probably, you know, they're hungry. They're probably dehydrated. And he says, I'm sorry. I, I thought I had more time. I'm not the man you think I am. And he says, I didn't build our city. I failed, I failed it. And, to- and Oliver's <laughs> like, what? Then we cut back to present day. They're in some warehouse with the masked guys. Oliver is cuffed, tied to a chair. Tommy is passed out on the ground. And the main dude in the scary red Halloween mask says, Mr. Queen, which is very formal for someone who is tasing you. Tasing you. <laughs> And wearing a Halloween mask. Like, he keeps calling him Mr. Queen. He doesn't call him Oliver or just Queen. He keeps calling him Mr. Queen. And I just want Oliver to be like, please, Mr. Queen was my father. And he says, he starts asking him questions. Did your father survive? Which is like, okay, so this is these are some criminals who want to know if the dad is really dead or not. But then they say, did he make it to the island? Which seems like a very specific thing to ask. I wasn't clear by the end of the episode if that was just a weird bit of dialogue and it was just another way of asking if his dad survived too or if there's something significant about the island. Yeah. I know vaguely from like the pop culture sphere, Mm -hmm. having now watched this, it kind of reminded me that the island is a thing that they flash back to more. It would be weird if they didn't. It did make me wonder if that meant there was something more to the island. But then they say, did he tell you anything? And Oliver doesn't respond. He's totally silent. They keep stunning him or tasing him. Yeah. And after a couple of those, he finally says, yes, he did. He told me I'm going to kill you. And they laugh at him. They're like, They'll... you're tied up. And then he pulls his hands free and goes, am I? Bam! Springs into action. Superhero action sequence. He takes out all the guys. He, like, flings the chair at one of them. It's a pretty well-done fight for television budget. Like, they're, again, they're doing things that are, like, within their budget, within their means, and not trying to go, like, super full-on, like, exploding buildings or something. Matrix bullet time. Yeah. Fight. It's just a good fight sequence where he throws a chair at a guy and then holds another guy in front of him while the other guy yeah. shoots him. So the guy gets shot instead of him. It's, you know, it's some some classic fight scene stuff, but like it works. And then one of the guys gets away. He kills, I'm pretty sure kills all of them. He kills all of them. Yeah. And chases- he checks on Tommy yeah. and we get a nice sound effect of a, of a heartbeat to yeah. indicate he got Tommy's pulse, which I'm not going to lie. I was almost disappointed. I would have been okay with them fridging Tommy. <laughs> That's what I thought was going to happen. I was like, are they going to fridge the best oh. friend? 
instead of fridging the girlfriend. Yeah. And then like, I would be okay with them fridging Tommy, but he's fine. Then we go on to Parker chasing yeah, where he born, born identity style. Yeah. Jumps across a bunch of uh, rooftops and like climbs down the side of a staircase and blah, blah, blah. And the last dude, uh, he catches him and he says something about you killed that man in reference to yeah. the, the, the bystander they killed, which seemed to only exist for, to remind the audience, it's okay for Oliver to be killing these guys. They killed somebody, which is like, he's very fine with killing. We, we, we learn right off the bat, Oliver is. Yeah, he's which, not squeamish about it. It seems like kind of a, like massive escalation, and yet also like from a storytelling standpoint to really make him a different kind of superhero than like a classic like Batman or Superman or Spider-Man. Yeah. This guy, and also this is a, a Green Arrow thing in the comics, like he kills people. Yeah. Like he's not like a lot of the classic superhero trope is like, oh, I don't, I must never actually violence except yeah. for when I accidentally knock down a building with people in it. Part of me was a little bit like, you don't know each of those guys and what their story was, whatever. Like one of them shot a dude. <laughs> I just like, work here. Yeah. I don't, you never know. It Sometimes people get roped into things. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Part of me was like, okay, he's very okay. They've given us the death of the bystander to make us feel a little better about him killing yeah. them. And he reiterates it again. You killed that man. And the guy says to him, he's got the dude in like a headlock. Yeah. And the guy says, you don't have to do this. And Oliver says, this is very cold. He says, yes, I do. Nobody can know my secret. And it cracks the guy's neck. And it's like, damn. And it made me go, what? Just the secret that you're like a super good fighty guy now? Like, just that or more things? And I guess that was it. And that is act two. So we start the next scene, the next act, with uh, the character I referred to as Grizzled Dad Cop uh, in my notes, uh, interviewing Tommy and Oliver about what happened. And this actor, again, this actor looked so intensely familiar to me. Did he look familiar to you? Yeah. Yeah, I was, it was driving me bonkers. So I looked him up, and honestly, I'm not totally sure where I'm recognizing him from. He was in a couple episodes of Leverage, mm -hmm. so it might be that, but it didn't immediately click for me. Oh, he's that guy. It just went, oh, I guess he might have been that. He also played Harry Dresden in the Dresden Files TV show. That's where I know him from. But I've never watched that TV show. When I looked up Grizzled Dad Cop, I was trying to avoid spoilers, so I didn't just pull up the IMDb page for Arrow or uh -huh. the Wikipedia page for the uh -huh. show, because then you immediately run into spoilers, which I ended up doing anyway. But the way I found him was by Googling Arrow Cop Dad Actor. <laughs> and it worked! <laughs> it worked immediately Perfect. paul blackthorne and he's british fun fact anyway grizzled dad cop is interviewing tommy and oliver oliver has made up a story about this hooded figure coming in and beating up the bad guys and saving them which is kind of like ah nicely done now you've established the arrow character while establishing that it can't be you because he saved my life how convenient <laughs> but uh conveniently tommy says he saw nothing he does seem slightly suspicious. He's kind of looking to Oliver for kind of confirmation while he's telling Dad Cop, oh, I don't know, I was pretty out of it. But he's kind of looking at Oliver like he, he's not, like maybe he did see something. But that seems uncharacteristically uh, observant for Tommy, to be perfectly honest. Grizzled Dad Cop then says something about, well, you know, they, they probably just kidnapped him for uh, ransom. to ransom. They probably figured you'd pay a king's ransom. 
or a queen's ransom, as it were. Dude, low-hanging fruit, comedically speaking. (laughs) Second of all, not really appropriate in this setting. He didn't look like he was like, eh? He just looked like he was like, (laughs) look how wry and, and sarcastic I am. And it's like, that wasn't a very good joke. Any joke wouldn't be appropriate in this setting, but that especially was a bad joke. Then we leave that scene. We've got Oliver researching Adam Hunt in his room. He's on his computer looking up the corrupt businessman that Laurel is after. He then opens up his little island notebook. And then we see on the very worn out pages, there's a list of names. And one of them is Adam Hunt. Then the housekeeper comes in with some food. They have a little joking byplay where he goes, I miss you, Reza. And she goes, yeah, no kitchen on the island. And he says, no, it's not just that, you know, no friends. And that was a sweet moment. She says, you're a good boy. And he goes, I didn't used to be. And she goes, well, you've, but you've always had a good heart. And he says, I want to be the person you always said I could be. It's, it's a very sweet moment between yeah. the two of them. And she does not ask him, by the way, when did you learn Russian? <laughs> It, it seems that they've dropped some subtle hints that maybe he wasn't entirely alone on the island. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's never addressed at all in this episode. I wish it had. they had uh, leaned a little more, given us more hints that he wasn't alone on the island, um, if that's what they were trying to hint at. We just get that one thing. But I'm sure they will establish more later, more flashbacks. He then tries to leave the house, and Mom and... Walter stop him to say that she, mom has hired him a bodyguard, Mr. Diggle. Diggle! Um, Steele tries to dissuade her because he's obviously a bad guy. You know, Oliver says, I don't need a babysitter. And Walter's like, now, if he doesn't want him, we shouldn't force him to. And it's like, yeah, Walter kind of actually seems to take his side. And I read it as, yes, let him run around the city alone and get kidnapped again. That's a great idea. I read it as them just further being more heavy-handed about him being a bad guy. He was confusing. I I think part of it is that that particular actor is just like a very charming fellow. Like, I've seen him in other things just being like, hello. Yeah. Who care for some of some Tim Tams or yeah. whatever? Like, <laughs> and I mean, oh, yes, he's, I would. he's he's handsome and well yeah. well dressed and British and very seems very cultured and everything. Yeah. yeah, but mom convinces him. So then we go to a scene in the car with the bodyguard. Uh, Oliver says, "So what do I call you?" This is a very rude thing to say to a person. He says, "Diggle's fine or dig," <laughs> and then they establish he is ex-military. He kind of says, "Look, here's here's the no nonsense version of our interaction." And he says uh, a line which I think was, he either misspoke or they misworded. Because he says, my ability to keep you safe will outweigh your comfort. And I think what they're trying to say is, my responsibility to keep you safe yeah. will outweigh your comfort. He says, my ability. Which doesn't make sense. I you, thought a, he, you lost a responsa there, it, my it was, friend. And he says, like, is that clear or whatever? Turns to the back seat. Oliver's gone. He has jumped out of a moving car. He's jumped out of a moving car without this ex-military guy noticing. Then we see Oliver walking through the bad neighborhood that we saw earlier near the warehouse. He's got two large bags over his shoulder. He then walks up to the old factory and they clearly cut out a shot here on accident. And a little bit of continuity error. I don't know if you noticed this. He sets these two large bags down and then does some arrow magic shit where he, you know, sprints over the top of this very, very high fence. 
mm-hmm. then picks up his bags and walks on. Clearly, he was supposed to have thrown them over or something, and they just had to cut that for time. Anyway, walks into the factory, and we get another bit of voiceover. I told the cop the truth. The man in the green hood was in that warehouse, and he's just beginning. Very cheesy, but then we get a kind of a cool montage of him setting up his secret HQ in the old factory. He's breaking down walls and floors to build this secret, you know, lair, basically. He's setting up computers and things. He's doing some intense workout. The the workout stuff I thought was really fun because a lot of times you have these, in these superhero things, you have these guys with like, really really intensely sculpted bodies who are like maybe doing some superhero stuff but then you just see them like sitting around drinking beer a lot of the rest of the time yeah they don't clearly this guy is like very dedicated and spending way too much time like doing crazy ass crossfit shit oh yeah and he's not yeah he's not just like punching in a punching bag he's doing the stuff they do oh what's that show called where people do the crazy like american ninja Warrior. yeah he's doing that kind of where he's like he's holding onto a bar and like pushing the bar up that is magic to me i don't know how they do that where they make the bar go up even though they're pulling down gravity how does it i don't know they do a bit bit of that they show him making some arrows which is nice because he's got a bunch of unreasonable tech because he's a superhero, but they at least show him making it and he's rich. So you're like, okay, fine. Then he pulls out the secret island trunk, opens it up and pulls out a bow that was definitely not handmade by a guy alone on an island. And no. if it turns out he was supposed to have built it himself in the island, I'll be really mad at the props department. But I th- suspect this is going to be another clue that maybe he wasn't alone on yes. the island. I really, really hope so, because it's a beautiful, very fancy bow. And then he pulls out a couple of his fancy arrows that he's just made. He, like, throws five tennis balls across a room and then shoots them with the arrows, and it shows that he's got them all, right? Yeah. But it was done really realistically. Like, Mm -hmm. that is a really impressive feat, but they don't show him going, like, pew, 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 pew with the arrows. They don't, it's not some Legolas elf shit. Yeah. They make it look like a human being who's, like, Focusing on a target, pulling the arrow, shooting. They made it look like, I believe that whoever is the best archer in the world, in the real world, whoever yeah. is like top archer on a, on on at the bow and arrow competitions that they presumably <laughs> have in the world, because yeah. that's a thing. I would believe that person can do this trick. Yeah, and the same thing like when I talked about the fights being feeling pretty grounded. I mean, there's, there's some definitely some superhero shenanigans, but it, it does all feel like we're still on planet Earth relatively the planet earth that we know he then sees on a tv in his lair that uh that hunt is being taken to court by laurel it's like like, who's trying to get money back to the people that he stole money from or whatever and there's another dramatic voiceover about how hunt is such a bad guy and something about well he hasn't met me yet and oliver pulls out the hood yeah which is, if he pulls it out of the box, it's the hood he was wearing on the island, which doesn't seem like it would be conducive to running around through the trees, having a hood on. Seems like it would block your field yeah. of vision. And... Although it is like what he was wearing. Yes, yes. I'm just saying. It's obviously because that was part of the, the superhero character design. Yeah. Also, do you know 
if did the comic book character have long hair? He sometimes has a ponytail because it's like the whole Robin Hood thing. Right. But generally he has more of a like a uh, Prince Valiant kind of a like a a bowl cut kind of a deal. <laughs> oh no, really? Yeah, with like Yikes. the and he also usually all of her like queen a little... has a like a D'Artagnan kind of like a little soul patch mustache combo musketeer Look, yeah. Look. They they going I mean, for the, the the He wears like the knee high folded over boots and everything sure. like It's the whole Robin Hood thing. Yeah. Cuz superhero Robin costumes Hood. didn't used to have to make sense. No. And his barely they just makes had to sense to look different now. than all the other superheroes in the same panel. At least a little bit. Uh so then we go to the next scene mm-hmm. where we finally see Hunt, who is played by Brian Markinson. Oh, who I is another him. just like he's a standout character actor who has appeared on lots of television things and everything like that notably uh i have seen him on some of the stargates and things like that he's just fun and usually he plays kind of more of like a nerdy kind of sniveling kind oh, of fun softer character so yeah. to see him as like this hard-edged like villainous kind of mafia guy was yeah. really fun so we are shown him being a weasel threatening his pet judge not to the pet judge to his henchman or whatever saying will you tell him i put him in that chair and i can take him out again or whatever so he's being a jerk they're walking he's walking with some of his henchmen towards his car in a garage suddenly the lights are shot out one of the henchmen is shot with an arrow other henchman shoves him into the car and is taken out off screen then hunt is pulled out of the car and there's oliver's the green arrow we see him in costume for the first time and I kind of expected a bigger reveal, but I guess they wasted that reveal on showing him in his sort of island version yeah. of the costume. Also, his face is 100% visible. Yeah. He's put a little bit of, like, green makeup. Dark green eyeliner. Yeah, like, like smudged like a... across his yeah. eyes. But, like, his he, the hood is just barely covering his forehead. Yeah. Like, Hunt is looking at him. He's not in the shadows. He is right up in Hunt's face. Hunt can see his whole face. That bugged me too. And I think either it was meant to be one of those things where it's much darker. It's supposed to be much darker where this thing is happening. Mm. And it's brighter for television. They didn't we're convey watching. the darkness well. Yeah. yeah. Either it's that or the show is going for a Clark Kent Superman thing where they're such different people that no one would think that he's the guy. Ugh. And I really hope it's the former. Third possibility was that he kind of doesn't care if Hunt knows it's him. Oliver tells Hunt to transfer a bunch of money into a specific account with, like, numbers by 10 p.m. Uh, I hope Hunt's good at memorizing numbers. He clearly doesn't actually expect him to do it, I guess. He says, transfer $10 million into Starling City Bank. Oh, we didn't mention that the city's called Starling City. Starling City. Strangely. What a goofy-ass fake city name. Starling City. Well, Metropolis... Gotham, Edge City, and Central City were all taken. Well, I don't know. I can, I can never decide if I like it better when they try to make up a town name like Metropolis or Gotham or when it's Blank City. I think I like it better because there's not that many cities in the world, especially not big cities, yeah. that have city in the name. They really don't. And Starling City, that's such a cute name. It, and also, it's a bird reference, and he's not a bird guy. He's not Hawkeye. No. When I first heard it, I went, oh, Starling, because he's... Wait, no, he's not our guy. He's the, <laughs> he's the other arrow guy. Wait, why is it called Starling City? I don't know. It's just a weird name. But he, so he says, yeah, uh, transfer $10 million to account number 104004010. Like, Hunt is supposed to just memorize this in the moment, but okay. And he says, why should I do that? And he says, because if you don't, 
I'm going to come and take it and you won't like the way I do it. And then he runs off. We open on Hunt telling the same police officers who interviewed Oliver. Yes, because dad cop. Yeah, about uh, being attacked by some Robin Hood-ish character. And they are not that impressed. In fact, they're like, put out an APB on Robin Hood. <laughs> Again, grizzled dad cop with the inappropriate jokes. <laughs> Hunt is pissed. Uh, his men were hospitalized, etc. He says that he's important. Like, they need to, the police need to protect him. Yeah. Because he's somebody. And, and he says the, he's coming at 10 p.m. Yeah. He knows, like, when this is going to go down. And he tells the cops that they they better, like, help protect him and that they can talk to Mr. Dracon, his new head of security. I wrote in all caps, now that is a fucking entrance. I fucking cackled out loud. This guy, he says, you can coordinate with Mr. Dracon. And then they shoop over. This guy swaggers in dick first, all in black leather, looking like a fucking male model from the Latin lover column. And just like walks in. And I was like, who is this fucking guy? Uh, and apparently he is sort of like a reimagining for TV of like a okay. Green Arrow yeah. character. That makes sense. Because yeah. I was like, who is this guy? But he it's just like cartoonish all of a sudden. Yeah, you just, he yeah. just goes, uh, coordinate with my head of security. And you're expecting some guy to be like, yeah, I'm tough. And instead he just swaggers in with his hair all did. I don't know. I yeah. was I was cackling out loud at this guy. So then the, the cops kind of have a little moment with each other. Uh, and they say, well, sounds like Queen was telling the truth. Yeah. And then uh, the other one says, oh, there's a first time for everything. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to Oliver getting in the car to go to the big party. He opens the back door of the car, expecting Dig to be in the front seat. Dig is in the back seat because he's on to your shenanigans, Oliver. It was okay. a nice moment for Dig. Yeah, it was. Like, he he's doing his job and, like, he's like, I'm on, he, to, I'm yeah. on to you. He's one step ahead. Yeah. I like it. Uh, then we cut to the party, and it's big, like CW big, circa 2012. Yeah, it it is huge. It's not just it's like it looks like a giant rave, and I mean there's like balloons everywhere and a DJ, go go dancers. So Oliver arrives and he like checks the timer on his phone. It's 9:07, and he just kind of seems to just kind of want to like get into the party and like whatever be there. Yeah. And then Tommy stops everything. He's like, everybody, everybody. Oliver's back and we are the champions starts playing. Yeah. And then uh, Oliver kind of like, it's this is a really nice moment for the, the actor. Yeah. Like he kind of like embraces the moment for a second. He's like, well, yeah. All right. Time to put on my Playboy face and do some stuff to convince people that I'm the Playboy that they yeah. always thought I was. He's, and he he's... puts his arm around a couple of girls. Yeah, he does a shot and he's like, I miss tequila. Yeah. And the whole crowd's <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, we also like tequila. <laughs> So it was, I thought it was actually a nice yeah, nice was, little moment. Yeah, It was way better than the same version of that moment that was in Batman Begins, where he's like yeah. wasted in a fountain or whatever. <laughs> he like gets convinces two girls. He like buys a hotel. You can't just buy a hotel by writing a check. It doesn't work that way. And also this is like a window into like previous Oliver. Like why was he like, clearly like he was like a life of a party. Like a lot of people liked him, even yeah. though he was kind of a dick. And like this moment was kind of, I think a window into that. Yeah. Like, he was like, he encouraged the party in a broader sense, not just like him wanting to do shit, but like it seemed like he liked to yeah. get it going for everybody. Yeah. 
uh, we cut back to Hunt and his men gearing up for battle. And he Hunt says, what's going on out there? Because there's noise coming from across the street. And Dracon says, there's a party across the street for that guy that got rescued off that island. And he's got like an, a Jersey accent, kind of? Yeah. I, oh my gosh, I was so confused. He's like, yeah, he's a, it's a guy who got rescued from an island. <laughs> Yeah, but like it kept, it came and went. He sounds like someone who is a non-English speaker who learned to speak English by watching one movie in which the main character has a Jersey accent they're trying to hide. <laughs> that is as best as I could explain. So I don't know what the actor playing Dracon was actually up to because his voice, it's like every now and then it would have a tinge of just, you know, your average American super normal american tv accent every now and then it would sound slightly european and every now and then it would sound like he's from new jersey and it was so confusing his character was so visually dramatic yeah it was weird for him to have have such a wishy-washy voice i was like what is he doing who is this guy anyway (laughs) i was so confused we cut back to the party tommy is making fun of diggle and then he says like Oh, I'm going to get Oliver laid. Like, yeah. he's like saying to Oliver, like, I'm going to get you laid. Like, how about that chick? She looks like the one from Twilight. And Oliver says, what's Twilight? And Tommy goes, you're so better off not knowing. Which, also the girl he pointed at did not look like Kristen Stewart. During this exchange, Oliver notices that there's a drug dealer working the party, selling drugs. Uh, he sees the drug dealer sell drugs to his sister. Mm-hmm. Oliver like runs over to her. Freaks and out. He's mad at her that she's there. He says. She, you're underage. Yeah, he says. You're 17. And that's when we go, oh, okay. So she is a teenager. She's like, you died. I was alone. I had to, I, yeah, things it's, happened. It's a little weird because they, ha- they had this really sweet interaction before. And suddenly, it, it did not feel earned, this sudden shift. Yeah. He just goes, you shouldn't be here. You're underage. He doesn't go, how dare you? He doesn't get mad. Yeah. He seems, he is acting pretty reasonable. And she super reacts and says like uh you can't blame me for being just like you used to be he's like i think i can actually like i'm not blaming you or i can like be mad though i can want you to be better than that and she's like you died and mom had walter and i had nobody and i was alone okay like she she it seemed unearned how much she overreacted but i did like the establishment of that, that like, yeah, that's a good freaking point. Like she lost her dad. She lost her brother who was like her best friend, her hero. Her mom remarries this guy, which that's awkward. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of left all alone. Like that would be really difficult. I just wish that it had felt more natural the way she yeah. revealed it. So she bounces with her friends. Then we see that Oliver picked her pocket and took the drugs. Yeah. Her friends are like, fine, let's go. Where's the drugs? She goes, oh, I must have dropped it. So Oliver bumps into Laurel at the party, and she apologizes for saying that he should have died. It's, it seems, she's like completely turned around. Yeah. It feels unnatural to me. This is, uh, so she, she apologizes for saying that she, he should have died. And this is where he says that he wishes he could trade places. Yeah. With Sarah. So good. At least he finally did say that. And then Laurel... She says something like, I almost didn't want to ask this, but did she suffer? And it's the way she asks it is... Oh, this actress is not very good. Yeah. 
And um, then the way she asks like, it is very, oh, by the way, I forgot. Did my sister suffer? I, I just meant to ask. You know, and then he gets a vision of her being sucked out of the airlock. Yeah. You know, and, and goes, no. <laughs> and it's like, she just kind of goes, okay. She just kind of nods. Like, it's just a weird interaction. Like, I'm not sure whether she believed him or not. It's, I don't know. I'm not convinced. I hope that the actor who plays Laurel gets better on the show yeah. because I was not real uh, impressed in this yeah. episode. And then she kind of has this moment where she's like, well, you know, if you want to talk about it, like you can talk to me. Yeah. Also something. seems out of character, but. But before they can talk anymore, his phone rings and interrupts them. And uh, he checks his phone and Hunt has not transferred the money. Yeah. She says Is something wrong. And he says, I asked somebody to do something and they didn't do it. <laughs> And he sells this line like, like he's like a bratty like, yeah, socialite boy again. It's weird, but I guess it works because then the very next thing he does is pulls the Playboy Act with her, and it's incredibly unconvincing. But she totally buys it. If he wanted to make her stay away from him because of the whole, yeah, I can't have people close to me superhero thing, seems like there would have been a better way to go about it. He. He doesn't sell it, in my opinion. Yeah. He goes, look, you might think that island changed me, but it didn't. Yeah. I'm the same. Like, you, okay, show don't tell Oliver. <laughs> show her that you haven't changed. Yeah. Don't just say, look, I haven't changed. Okay. But, she, but then she buys it and she's all like. Yeah. He says, She goes, stay the away island from me. did change you. It made you honest. Yeah, because he says, just stay away from me or I'll hurt you again and it'll yeah. be even worse. And it's like. He just seems like he's actually being honest, but he's yeah. trying to sell it as him being a playboy, which she buys it. So whatever. So uh, Oliver is trying to leave the party. Diggle catches him. Yeah. Tries to stop him from leaving. Oliver knocks him out. Which seems weird because like he locked him out in a way that it's absolutely clear that when Dig wakes up, he's going to know it was Oliver. It was there. No. Yeah. Which like, okay, Jig's up on. I, I, I guess. I, is Dig going to be his sidekick or something later? I don't know. But anyway. We cut back to Dracon setting up security. Uh, Dracon is confident they are safe until outside the window, an arrow with a cable on it hits the wall, yeah. like full-on ninja shit. <laughs> uh, we cut to the cops checking in with each other. Everything's good. They're fine. Like, nothing going on here. Suddenly, all the lights go out in the building. The elevator comes up, and Arrow appears, being a ninja and taking everyone out with arrows and kung fu and pew, like, pew, pew, springs pew, into pew. action takes out all the dracons guys and again like pretty good fights like mm -hmm. like considering the budget that they had for this compared to like the recent marvel's uh iron fist which is supposedly all about like a kung fu master i was like this has better like ninja fight shit Ooh, that's unfortunate than, yeah. i have not watched iron fist i do not intend to <laughs> yeah don't bother don't ask us to do it for this podcast <laughs> uh and then he shoots an arrow past Hunt's head. Yeah, he aims an arrow at Hunt. And Hunt goes, you missed me. And he's like, did I ever? Yeah, Hunt's like, you missed. And Arrow goes, no, I didn't. And then Dracon attacks Arrow. And Arrow and Dracon have like this hand-to-hand -hand fight. Arrow manages to avoid a hail of gunfire and takes out Dracon with a knife. Yeah, well, but well, Hunt calls the cops up. Yeah. And the cops, we go to Grizzle Dad Cup outside on a walkie-talkie going, all units converge, which I don't think is accurate cop talk. Yeah. That sounds like uh, Dungeons and Dragons shit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, so. So then the cops come in and 
Oliver has been knocked out during the fight with Dracon. We see yes. that Dracon's dead. Oliver's just lying there with his hood back, face exposed, and the cops are coming in. But he manages to come to just in time, mm-hmm. fling some shit around the room to distract them, leap out a window, and then the cops run to the window and see him going down a zip line from the window to the building next door. <laughs> to the party. So they... I feel like there's some dumb line there, but I forgot what it is now. But So he's he's gone, but they see that he's gone into the building. Yes. So then the we cut to the police interrupting the party. Like, they've all converged on the party. Yeah. They have the party building surrounded. They they hassle Tommy and ask... Uh, one, of, one of the cops is like, oh, hi, Merlin. You yeah. roofied anyone tonight? Which, dark. Yeah. Tommy, ha- to this point, has only been an insufferable yeah. goofball. Yeah. But that's dark. I just... I wrote, gross. I don't like Tommy. Well... Yeah, that made me, like, I didn't like Tommy anyway, but, like, now I'm like, wait, is Tommy actually a criminal? Like, yeah. not just an annoying t- entitled garbage bag? Like, anyway. Oliver approaches the cops and asks them what's up. And I gotta say here, like, whatever makeup remover he used, I want it. Because it's oh, yeah. magic. He looks way too... Yeah. Paul, he looks he looks fine. He's yeah. barely even breathing hard. He's yeah. back in his party clothes. He's got the green makeup off his face. Everything's fucking fine. Man. It's like, uh, okay. The cops ask him if he knows Hunt, and he says no. And then he offers a $2 million reward to anyone at the party who could find the green hood yeah. in the building. A nutbag and a green hood. And the cop says, well, he's, you know, you don't know Hunt. I'm surprised he's, you know... He's a rich sleaze bag. You two should be friends. Yeah. Plus, he was just uh, attacked by the hooded guy who saved your life. What yeah. a coincidence. Uh, then, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Apropos of nothing. Grizzled Dad Cop says, Did you even try to save her? Did you even try to save my daughter? And what? Then he, like, starts, like, like he's gonna fight Oliver, and his, and his partner, partner has to drag him away. It's like he's not worth it, man. And we're like, meanwhile, everyone in the audience going, "What? He's Laurel and Sarah's dad?" Okay. None of nothing about that makes sense. Their interactions previously, when he was at the house, they were not acting. He was he and Moira were not acting like. We, our parent, our kids, yeah. our kids used to date. We used to be like friends because our kids used to date or anything. They were not acting like there was any tension. He was yeah. acting like a random cop. He wasn't even acting like he'd ever met any of them, much less that they had this intense history of the, the, this family is the reason his daughter was killed and his yeah. other daughter was traumatized. Like the, that previous scene, it honestly feels it, this can't be the case because it's based on a comic. If I didn't know the show is based on a comic, I would think. Did they decide that he should be the girl's dad later after they'd already shot the scene where he interviews Tommy and Oliver? Yeah. Because it doesn't read like he knows them at all. It's, anyway, it's bananas. After the altercation, Oliver kicks the party into gear again, and all of a sudden he's, like, super into the party. And Tommy notices the coincidence. It's suddenly, yeah. Like, Mr. Investigation, suddenly suddenly Mr., like, noticey guy things. Yeah. What Tommy suddenly suspects something? Tommy suddenly isn't a fucking clueless yeah. goofball? Like 
And they have this weird interaction that kind of doesn't make sense. I can't remember what Tommy asks him. And then he says something like, what happened to you on that island? Which, why would he bring up the island? It's, it's, it's just out of nowhere, Tommy says, what happened to you on that island? And Oliver hasn't really done anything. Oliver hasn't done anything more out of character than any of the other things he's done so far that have been out of character in a I was stranded on an island for five years kind of way. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden he says, what happened to you on that island? And Oliver says, just be glad you're alive. What? Whoa. Yeah, it was a weird interaction, and I'm not sure what it was supposed to actually convey, except that Tommy's supposed to begin to suspect that something's going yeah. on. So we cut to Hunt freaking out that $40 million is gone. Yeah. How did he do it? It's the next day. Hunt's screaming into his phone. Yeah. How it's did he do it? Untraceable. It's $40 million. And the weird thing is he then, yeah, he cradles his face in his hands and goes, how did he do it? And we pan to two feet away from him. There is a. There's an arrow sticking out of the wall. Except like, for it has a USB drive on the end of it. And the USB drive went into a USB drive slot in the wall of the computer system or something. It's like two feet away from him. It's a it's an, a large arrow with blinking green lights on it. And he's yeah. like sitting there. How did he do it? Gee, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe turn your head like two inches to the right and look for a blinking green light. Yeah. I, yeah, I also, I didn't notice that it was a USB drive. Yeah. I thought it was just an arrow sticking out of the wall. Why would there be a USB port in the wall? I have no idea. That is very confusing. Okay. Uh, We then cut to Oliver transferring the money that he has stolen. In his lair. Yeah, he's in his lair, like type, type, type. And he's transferring the money into various other people's accounts. Which I had to actually pause the screen. I had to pause and read the screen. I watched the scene. Uh Uh-huh. And couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. Who is he transferring the money to? Because mm-hmm. by then I had completely forgotten about right. the whole thing. These are all the people that Adam Hunt scammed out of their yeah. money. So then Oliver, having transferred the money to people, crosses Adam Hunt off his list. In the little book. And looks longingly at the photo of his father like, yes, father. I have begun the, the thing, yeah. which is still unclear. <laughs> so then uh, flashback onto the raft. Daddy Queen is saying, Oliver, you have to survive. You have to make it home to right my wrongs. They're both like super out of it and look really sick and everything. There's a moment where he looks at the captain who's holding a knife, which I wasn't sure if that was supposed to indicate that they were like, there was some tension in the mm-hmm. lifeboat. He's saying, you have to survive. You have to make it home. You have to right my wrongs. Oliver's like, just rest, dad. And then kind of leans his head back. Dad then pushes Oliver off to the side, reaches into his shirt, and pulls out a gun (laughs) that he's been hiding this entire time while they were on the lifeboat, apparently. And he shoots the captain. And Oliver goes, what the fuck? And he goes, survive, and then shoots himself in the head. Damn. Like, okay, once again, like I said before, you can make that decision for yourself, but that captain did nothing! That was not your call to make! We're supposed to think that the dad is, like, a bad dude, but, like, now he wants to right the wrongs, and now he wants to make amends, but he sh- just shot the captain in cold blood. Uh, we cut to Laurel talking to someone on the phone. Uh, $50,000 has magically shown up in their bank account, and they're thanking her. And she's saying, yeah, just don't tell anybody, ever. And it seems that all of their clients who were doing the class action suit against yeah. Adam Hunt have all been receiving anonymous gifts of money equal to or greater than the money that 
Hunt had schemed, scammed them out of. Plucky lawyer friend walks up and says, yeah, I just got a call from someone. And they're both like, yeah. <laughs> they're all just kind of laughing. Like, yeah. we don't know what's going on, but Happy magic. It's like, you're not a li- even a little concerned that, like, possibly this could be related to some other kind of bad. I don't know. They just both seem to accept it. Like, well, cool. And we got money back. And then... The plucky lawyer friend says, possibly the cheesiest line in an episode full of many cheesy lines. Looks like Starling City has a guardian angel. Oh, God. Jesus. <laughs> uh, then Tommy shows up to meet with Laurel. Yeah. Plucky lawyer friend's like, your cute friend is here. And I'm like, does she not know Oliver? Oh, it's oh, Tommy? Yeah. I was like, what? What is that supposed to mean? Tommy and Laurel go for a walk to talk. And... Tommy asks, what does Oliver being back mean for us? And she says, she says, there's really isn't an us. And basically reveals that the two of them have been sleeping together. And like, she's being sort of giggly about it, even though she's saying there's no us. Come on. You're not a one woman guy. Yeah. And he says, depends on the woman. Like, what are you doing? Again, we have our fourth Jesus Christ Tommy moment. Why are you trying to get into this drama? Like, even it's if, weird. okay, it's one thing if, yeah, in the aftermath of losing his best friend and her, losing her boyfriend and her sister and finding out they both betrayed her, the two of them fell into each other's arms or something. But this is, it, that's it's been five years. They're acting like this is fairly recent. Yeah. Or somewhat ongoing or something like that. It seems like it's ongoing, but in a more recent way. Like maybe over the past year, but not over the past five years. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem like that. And basically, he's trying to be like, now that Oliver's back, I think it's time for us to turn this hookup thing into a real relationship. What? This is the worst time for you to do that, Tommy. Also, what are you doing? And she's just, I don't know. It's, again, I'm not sold on the acting from the actress who played Laurel. Like, just this, she's kind of acting giggly about it, but also being like, uh, come on, there's no us. It was a lapse. Yeah. And he goes... I don't know. seems like a lot of times for a lapse or something like that. There was my apartment, your apartment, my apartment again. Like, it's it's a weird interaction. I just don't know what I'm supposed to get out of Laurel's character. But anyway, we uh, they have a cheesy little interaction about him saying Laurel Lance, which, great comic book name, yep. always trying to save the world. We, we were just talking about us boning. We're not talking about me being a lawyer right now. Yeah. Why did you mention that? And she turns around and says, if I don't, who will? And we pan up to Oliver. creeping on them. Creeping on them in costume for some reason. Not clear why he would need to be in costume. Maybe he's out on patrol. Yeah, or something. Then we flash back to the boat where he sees the island for the first time. We get more unnecessary voiceover. She says the island changed me. She has no idea how much. All the names on that list will suffer and just. Every single one of them. It's just, you know, more more statement of him being a superhero. And that feels like the end of the episode. And yeah. it, that's where the movie would have ended. Yeah. And the next bit we get would be the post-credit sequence. Yep, the stinger. The stinger, which is we're back at the X-Mansion. And some random dude, which we, who we never we seen before. We have not seen before. Suddenly he walks up and goes, well, the cops didn't recognize my guys from, or they didn't ID my guys who abducted Oliver. And we're like, wait, who is this guy? Yeah. And he, we, but then we see he's reporting to Mama Queen, who says, there are other ways of finding out what my son knows. 
So either she and Steel are both evil and she's just way better at hiding it, or it's going to turn out Steel's totally not evil. A patsy. He's just a patsy. He's maybe, he's evil in like a very mild corporate white collar way. And she's yeah. like way more, she's the actual mastermind. So that was like, I guess kind of a fun reveal, but it made me a little bit sad. I'm like, I never want the mom to be evil. <laughs> All right. And that was the pilot uh, yeah. of Arrow. That's the pilot of Arrow. We end on a real high note. All right, so now we move on to Cliffs and Ships, which is where we talk about our predictions for season one cliffhanger, and also if we have any ships, and just some general where we think the show is going. So I don't think there's any ships to speak of in this. Yeah, I mean, hoping that Oliver and Laurel patch things up or something. I assume we're supposed to, but I don't personally care because the yeah. character's sort of all over the place and... Yeah, I, yeah. I, I di it didn't make me care about their relationship. I kind of went, yeah, don't get involved with him. He's going on this whole weird vengeance tear. You stay clear of him, girl. Yeah, and, and yeah, there's just not really... And Tommy's which, garbage, so we don't ship him with anybody. Which is shocking to me that like a CW show launches without like a lot of clear... Yeah, I would like, expect them to be romantic more... Romantic tensions and setups and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there was remarkably little, even though there were several scenes of... Tommy being like sweaty and naked or topless at least yeah. Tommy, Tommy Jesus Oliver. God forbid even though there were plenty of scenes of Oliver being you know sweaty and topless they felt like look at me being a strong superhero not look at how sexy I am so much yeah so yeah I'm for the CW this was remarkably chaste and in terms of like Cliff's you know he has the notebook so like obviously like it's gonna I keep like on it's that it's gonna be like different a different dude each him, week him finding out about his mom is that has to be the season one. I mean, I guess they could drag that on farther, but I would expect if they were going to hold that out longer, they would have teased it longer and not revealed yeah. it so definitively in the first episode. I'm much more curious to see more of like what happened on the island. Yeah. Where his like cool ninja shit came from, mm -hmm. like that kind of stuff more than I am to like what was the truth about his dad and 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 yeah. what how involved is his mom and what does Walter know yeah I care about that less than I am I want to know more about yeah him on the island what really went on yeah like what what the list actually entails yeah because I do like that it doesn't it's not a list of people he needs to go kill he doesn't yeah. kill hunt he writes a wrong. He takes yes. his money and gives it back to people. But, like, he doesn't do anything to prevent Hunt from doing it again. Yeah. But I at least appreciated it wasn't just a list of people to kill. That would have been boring. So that was fun. Yeah. No no real things that I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see this. It's just sort of, yeah, I'd like to know more about the island. Yeah. That's about it. Final verdict. Will you continue watching this show? Yeah. Did it do the job of a pilot? That's the question. And I think, yeah. yeah. I'm at least on board to watch a couple more episodes. Again, I, this, I've said this about other shows we've watched too. Uh -huh. And I'm on board because I want to know more. I'm not necessarily convinced I'm going to be satisfied. I could definitely see myself watching two more episodes and going, I can't take it. And yeah. just, it's too cheesy. The acting and the writing are too bad. I don't want any more. But I'm at least hooked enough to watch a second episode. Yeah. This is, again, like, this seems like a fun bit of uh, Netflix streaming fluff. Yeah. That could kill some time. 
like I said a minute ago, I'm more interested to see more flashbacks to the island and what yeah. happened there. The production values of this were actually very good. And there were occasional bits of brilliance, like the whole shot on the boat. Yeah. That was that made me go, oh, there are some people on this project that know what the hell they're doing. So there were moments that convinced me that there would be value in the rest of the show. Yeah. And then there were moments that made me go, oh, do I actually want to watch any more of Tawny being garbage? Yeah. But... But I mean, in terms of like a superhero action, yeah, the action sequences were good. The yeah, there were no cheesy effects, or I mean, it's only from twenty twelve. Yeah, but there were no effects, or I'm trying. There's to no like laughable giant CGI spider or something. Yeah, shit like that. nobody had like a weird bad makeup or something. I don't know. Yeah. There, there was it was good, good production wise. Yeah, and I just remembered. The reason that I want to give this a shot more than anything else is one of the things I ran into on the internet is that John Barrowman apparently shows up at some point. All right, sold. I know. <laughs> Do you want to know who I suspect he is based on the character name that I saw, or would you like that to be a surprise? Yeah, I, I don't mind. You could, you could tell me that. Well, his character's last name is Merlin. Oh! <laughs> but I'm also like, surely, surely John Barrowman is not old enough to be Tommy's dad. In but maybe maybe they give him like the weird like silver temples because i just i can't i'm trying to imagine john berriman in this universe and i can't oh to be fair john berriman is thoroughly jack harkness to me yeah i have seen him in very few other things so he's just i I have a hard time picturing him as anyone else so i'm just imagining him like flouncing in and being like tommy my boy how are you and tommy's like dad he's like hey oliver looking good kid (laughs) Dad, I don't know. I can't imagine. I don't know if he, maybe he's also, he he could be an uncle. He could be another Uh, Merlin, a brother for all we know. But I just immediately went, Tommy's dad? I what? Uh, Anyway, so that'll be interesting to see who he ends up as. I just hope it's not like in season five or something. I can't wait that long, you guys. Okay. Somebody tweet at me. If John Barrowman, don't tell me who he is or give me any spoilers. Just say whether he shows up this season or not. Yeah. If we can get some John Barrowman yeah. in season one, let I us will know. stick around. If he, if I even have to wait till season two, I might not. We'll see. All right. I think that's it. Yeah. I think that's it for Arrow. We were both uh, imp- impressed enough with the effects and hooked enough by the story to want to give it another try. So good job. Good, Good job. job, Arrow. Arrow pilot. You did it. Okay, one item for the addendums and corrections column this time, you guys. Green Arrow was introduced in 1941. So, hardcore DC fans, no need to tweet us about that one. We looked it up. Also, when I looked that up, I found out he was originally based in just regular old New York City and switched to Star City in the 50s, which they then changed to Starling City for the show uh, but I wasn't able to figure out why they changed it for the show and why to Starling that just seems like a sort of off topic not that cool name so if you know the answer to that one please tweet at us also another fun fact in the 80s in the comic he moved from Star City to Seattle for a while which is where I live and where this podcast was recorded so that definitely counts as a fun fact I think if you're not a musical theater nerd and you didn't immediately recognize our interstitial music in this episode, it's from the musical Oliver, because Strangely likes to be clever. And he also figured out those songs by ear from memory after not being in the play for like 20 years, because we were both in that play in middle school, which seems like it'd be a weird coincidence, except it's a very middle school sort of play to put on. So it's not that weird. 
Our next episode will be out on March 5th. It will be about the show Ripper Street, which we're both pretty stoked to talk about because we both liked it a lot. So check that one out. We will be recording and releasing those episodes while we're actually out on tour. Strangie and I will be playing shows all over California for all of March. Uh, you can check out my website, sarahshay.com slash shows for our tour dates. And we'll be trying really hard to just keep uh, the schedule going and updating episodes every two weeks. Apologize that we did miss one two weeks ago. It's because Strangely was on the road, didn't have consistent internet or computer access. Apologies. We're going to try and be better. So follow along on Twitter for more updates. We are at Pilot House Pod. I am at the Sarah Shea. Strangely is at I am Strangely. We're also on Instagram as Pilot House Pod, or you can just go to pilothousepodcast.com for other information and streaming our episodes. Thanks a lot for listening. Um, catch you on the flip side. Sure. <laughs>